Sandler said, you guys, you got to get those idiots into the movie real quick. So at the last, at the end of the day, we've been shooting for 12 hours, doing nothing. It's raining. We're cold. He goes, all right, boys, I got a shot. It's going to kill. You're going to walk across this parking lot when Adam is walking on the other side of the parking lot. And you're going to be in the background. So for this movie, we are the four of us are walking across a parking lot for one second on air. Boys, this is going to kill. Put that coffee down. That's a clown question, bro. Alrighty then, another episode. Here we go. Off script with Lance Zerline, Eric Layden. Um, how are you, pal? I'm great, pal. Good. Well, I'm not great. I had to scratch off a, a tax check today. What used to be write-offs are no longer write-offs. So uh, that that's, that's a bad feeling. In the yeah. midst of the pay reductions... And two uh, for both of my jobs. I'm lucky enough to have two jobs, so you know I'm fine. My family's yeah, fine. I gonna, but I was going to say, let's let's cool it on the uh, on the pity <laughs> party over there, Mister Two Jobs. Okay. I know, I know. Uh, hey, I'm not a corporation. I can't file for a PPP loan for my corp. Well, you know, for my S corp. That's something you should maybe talk to your business manager about. I see you're drinking a. A Gatorade and a big, big day for you, Lance, big day for you. Uh, You Uh upgraded the office. Yeah. I, um, I just got a new, there was uh, many refrigerators on sale Mm. at the neighborhood Best Buy. Mm. And I thought, you know, I've got to start cutting costs. Now this is going to sound counterintuitive at the beginning. I've got to cut costs. So I buy a mini refrigerator. Well, what it's going to allow me to do is store some stuff in there. I'm not going to go pick up lunch every day while I'm working. Mm-hmm. I'll make a salad. I think I'll eat, I'll a eat better. B I will save money. So this is actually, not only is it a smart move on my part financially, it's a, it's a smart move health wise, but most importantly, it feels like home. Now my office feels like home. You feel a little bit more important, don't you? Yeah, yeah when, an office, like, when an office has a mini fridge, you feel a little bit more important. Yeah, and you can't fire somebody with a mini fridge. Like, it, it, well, you can, but it's got to be harder. No, it's no, no. The person with the mini fridge does the firing. Typically, yes, but I, yeah. at this particular juncture, I don't have employees, so yeah. I can't fire anyone. I can't fire my kids, or I you would know have. I know, you know how I know you don't have employees? Um, I, I realized, uh, I, I, uh, something happened today when I called you uh-huh. and, it, and it made me laugh. Uh, your voicemail, it says, um, Hey, this is, is Lance. Leave me a voicemail. If you'd like to get in touch with me and in my head, when somebody says that on a voicemail, I know what's coming next. Like if it's an emergency or you need me quicker, please feel free to reach out to my assistant. But that's oh. not what yours says. No, no, no. Yours says, feel free to text me. Yeah. As, now, as if, as if, hold on a minute, because this is, this, this, this brought up a lot. Okay. That means that a, you were feeling a little insecure. So you needed to have like that kind of option of like, in case you need me in an emergency type situation. Mm-hmm. Also, you were under the impression that somebody with your cell phone number didn't know that they could also text you. 
Like you were giving them permission as if they didn't think they already had it. Right, right. You know, it would seem that way in 2020. That's how it comes off to you. That's how you hear it. Um, I, I think, and I understand that this was still the case back then. I'm guessing that that message is at least six years old and maybe seven years old. Oh, now, so you, you, you said it when maybe like text messages were like 10 cents a text. So you were giving people the permission, go ahead and drop me a text. It's going to cost hmm. me, a, it's going to cost me a nickel, but if you need me and it's an emergency, go ahead and feel free to send me an SMS. See, I feel like texts were not a nickel. They were not a dime. They were free even back then with, mm. you know, with the right plan, with the right plan. I you had was, just gotten a great Boost Mobile plan or Cricket, and you thought, you know what? I'll give people yeah. the option to lob me the text. Uh-huh. No, I've been, yeah. under, I've been under AT&T spell for quite some time, and I'm not sure why. I have this fear of switching. Like it's, I know it's irrational. I know people do this. I'll jump from homeowner's insurance, car insurance, not a problem. I'll shop that all day long. But when it comes to my cell phone and my television, it's like I am the most nervous. I just don't feel like I should make a change. We'll let you keep your number. Yeah, but what if people can't find me under this plan that you have, Sprint? I just don't feel like I'd be getting – I don't know why – I won't consider jumping and getting all these benefits from jumping over to another cell plan. Yeah. So you're saying that in the two most competitive markets, which are mobile and cable, correct? you're you're unwilling to move. Yeah. I I just feel like I'm stuck. I feel like in that way, you know how, you know how, I don't know what the age cutoff is, but it's probably both of our parents. It's when you get to be probably a grandparent there just are certain things. Grandparents are willing to eat certain costs. Like, but grandpa, but grandma, you can cut the cords on this and you should get this plan and you can get a data service that's that's way lower. And you can, grandparents just, oh, it's too confusing. It's yeah. too much technology. Yeah, but you're, you're literally lighting about $180 on fire every single month. Oh, I just matter. don't want change. I just yeah. don't want change. That's you. Well, actually, you know, that is me with phone yeah. and with, I, look, I don't want to learn different channels, so that's out. I'm not learning okay. different channels. So I, I, I do this thing called bill maintenance. I do it about every six months mm-hmm. and bill maintenance is the day that falls in my calendar where I go through all the bills and I call the companies, alarm, uh, phone, uh, cable. And I yep. cancel them. They pick up the phone. Uh, hey, uh, yep, I've got you. Is this Eric Layden? Yes, it is. Uh, you know, what's your mother's maiden name? That whole nine. I say, yeah. And I say, uh, I'd like to cancel my service. Oh, my gosh. Why? It's just really competitive out there. You know, a lot of different, a lot of better prices. So I'm just going to go elsewhere. Uh, well, I mean, is there anything that we could do to keep you? Uh, probably not. I'm going to be honest. Probably not. Well, l- let me see what we could do. And that takes about 12 to 15 minutes, oftentimes sent over to the retention department. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm batting a thousand, man. I'm batting a thousand on bill maintenance. It, you just got you, but you have to take, you know, you got to take a day and you gotta, and you gotta handle bill maintenance. Obviously this is scary for you. I'd be willing to help you through this process. If you want to maybe you have no idea. 
on we could maybe even do it live on the podcast we could get a representative from at&t on the line hold on now see you don't know who do you're talking you. to you don't know who you're talking to a i've got bill retentions i've got i've got retentions for people who don't know when you get to retention you've won oh yeah if you are able to get through customer service mm -hmm. to the customer retention line that's mm -hmm. when you have officially won. It's not yeah. about five and fifteen dollar credits. Now Ooh. they're serious. So yeah. I used to speak for a company called Bill Advisor that was extraordinarily successful. Um, the thing is, their their model was not great. Their model was, well, you pay us like ten dollars a month recurring charge, and we will go renegotiate your bills. And so there was a um, a woman. Uh, she was like a Caribbean woman named Pearl, and Pearl was their head trainer. And she was the very best at negotiating. And they had her do mine because I was doing commercials for this company. And so they wanted her to do mine and do, you know, get the best results possible. She saved me $3,000 for the first year. 3000 Pearl, Pearl Benjamin. She for was $120. Un uh, yes. That's 10 for times 12 for those listening. And that's not a great model for them. They should be doing it where they get a percentage. That is the way to go because they will they will cut you a slack. Now, I didn't have you working on my Best Buy refrigerator. I, do you do pre-negotiations? Do you work on pre-negotiations? What I did when I went to Best Buy this earlier this year is I bought multiple units. I bought a dishwasher and a washer-dryer all at the same time. Got Then I got some deals on that. I'll tell you one of the great secrets, and this is, this is big. For anybody listening, um, you know, feel free to Venmo me. I don't know. Whatever you feel is you know, worth it because what I'm about to tell you is going to save you a lot of money. I'm getting a piece of paper right now to write this down. Yeah. So get a piece of paper. So right. one of the things that we, we all know lasts for just under two years, maybe two years and a couple months is a printer. Printers are the worst. <laughs> They're the printers worst. are the absolute worst. Right. Okay. So here's what you do. You go to office max or office depot and you buy yourself a printer. And then you buy their protection plan. It is a no questions asked protection plan. I think it might be 69 bucks, maybe not even that much. Could be 49, 59, somewhere in there. You buy that. Don't even think about it. Just buy it. They're going to give you a receipt and you're going to take that receipt when you get home and you're going to set your printer up and you're going to scotch tape that receipt for the printer and the protection plan on the back of the printer. You'll never see it. Don't worry about it. Scotch tape it back there. If it is January 15th, 2020, you then go into your calendar and you type in January 3rd, 2022. Okay, this is a two-year protection plan. No questions asked. Hold on, hold on. January. Yeah, okay. Well, 3rd. no, 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 Lance. No, okay. not always on January 3rd. Just... Just 15 days before your two years. But you said I had so to do it on is. January 3rd. No, 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 no. You can do it on any day of the year. I, that was an oh, example. Okay. Yeah, I don't have to wait until no, January no. 20th to buy a printer? No, 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 no. You oh, can buy whatever you want. Okay. I thought Good that was man. a special day. Yeah. That's all right. Follow along. Follow okay. along. Yeah. And 15 days before your expiration, you're going to call them. You're going to say, my printer's acting crazy. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Wi-Fi, I don't know, but it's acting a fool, right? Like I'm getting terrible readouts. I can't scan things. It's a mess. Say no problem. You can walk into Office Depot. <laughs> You're going to get yourself a brand new printer that you are going to pay no money for whatsoever. And you're going to walk home. And then 
you're going to send them, oh, sorry, you're actually going to pay for that new printer. You're going to pay for it. And then you're going to send them the old broken printer with the receipt, and they're going to send you a check for that printer that you just bought. And so every, let's call it uh, 23 months, you make one phone call, never buy a printer again. I bought one printer in the last eight years, and I paid for one printer. And so I this is your years. hustle. This oh, is it's your not hustle. A hustle. This is this is just yeah. This is beating the system. Yeah, you're hustling the yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. And you know how I learned it? The stoner at Office Depot who sold me the printer. No, he did not. Oh, for sure. It was did. an inside job. Full inside job. What happened? How did he do it? Because I said to the guy, I said I need to get a printer. I said I got to be honest, man. These things are pieces of shit. I said, give me one. I mean, it's, I said, I don't want to spend all this money on one that's going to break. He said, here's the deal. Buy this one. I said, yeah, but this one's like, you know, 170 bucks. This one here is 89. He's like, no, no, no. Buy it. Buy the 179. Buy the $49 plan. You'll never buy another printer again. I said, what are you talking about? He runs me through it. I said, all right, I'm going to give it a go. I trust you, Ted. And uh, I don't know where Ted is today, but the guy is, he's a genius. I know and, where he's uh, not in charge of sales at Office Max. No, no, he's not. I wish I could have tipped him. Uh, so that's just my little money saving tip for everybody. Um, you're welcome. You're welcome. Anyway, congrats, man. I mean, with the new refrigerator and and the option to text you in case of an emergency, I just yeah. I feel like things are going really good, dude. I feel yeah, like I feel between, blessed. Yeah, man. I mean, you're important. I just found out today that my kids are going to be home for all of the fall. All of the fall is online learning. How good is that? Um, I don't know. You tell me. How good is that? I mean, just think about the time that you get. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, yeah. t- this is time you're never going to get back, Lance. No, this I'm, is, I'm, a, I'm, quality I'm, time. I'm aware it's time I'm never going to get back. I, I know that. Yeah. So, so I just never think that- this is something you've got to embrace, man. Mm-hmm. This is something you got to embrace. I mean, listen, my kids are going to school, so. Um, are you sure? I am sure as of, um, what time is it? 2.59 p.m. Pacific uh, on this Wednesday. Let's play a little game. You uh, Do you do any acting? Well, I know you used to do acting. <laughs> I used to. Yeah, I used to. Before I knew I, you used to act. I was forced into retirement. Right. So. I'm going to give you a scenario and I want to see how you respond to this scenario. Um, just as an actor. Okay. Ready? Hey, um, I'll be Katie. I'll be your wife. Eric, you'll never believe this. I just got a text from the school district. It looks like we're going to do online lining for all of the first semester now. Oh, you're kidding. That's fantastic. Yeah. Mondays, they're going to do laundry. Tuesdays, they're going to do the kitchen. (laughs) Fridays, they're going to do the books. I mean, I'm going to, I would fire all, uh, help gardeners, everything. We would just, it would be indentured servitude. That's what I was going to say. That's basically what you're talking about. Yeah. So I'm at the dinner table with my kids with, with four kids. One of my daughter's homeschooled my three sons. And I tell them, look, last year, I know y'all screwed off at the end of year. Everybody did. It was unprecedented. I get all that. But this year coming up, if we go to online school, which I was anticipating, in the first semester, you guys are going to be waking up early. You're going to get dressed. You're going to do your brush your teeth. You're going to be getting dressed. You're not going to stay in your pajamas. And my wife said, 
why not? People are working in their pajamas. I don't care. I don't want my kids. I, for me, I think that if you dress, it's kind of like, you know, the, what, if you dress for the job you want, you don't dress for the job you have, you dress for the job you want. What's the same thing with this. If you are dressed, you're ready to go with your day. If you're in your pajamas, you're going to fuck off. You're just going to fuck off. That's what I think. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think that it, I really think it's circumstantial and I think it depends on the household and I think it depends on the children. You know, I've got one of my sons who, and granted he's still young, but he's like, he's a rule follower. He's on it. He was never late for a Zoom meeting. He does his homework. He's scared of his teachers that he'd get in trouble. So now he doesn't show up in a uniform for Zoom, um, which a lot of the kids did. He's in like basketball shorts and a, in a, you know, t-shirt, but like he's boom, 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 boom on it. Rule follower does not, you know, doesn't need that. Whereas my other one, I probably would need a little bit more structure and scheduling. Um, I, I think it's a personality thing. I mean, me personally, I like that. I like the schedule. It makes me feel more comfortable. It makes me feel in control. So I think part of you is, is saying this because you want to feel in control and you want to feel comfortable. Well, I don't plan and, on being there. I don't plan on being there for any well, of then, then honestly, then, then Nicole's right. I mean, if you're not going to be there for it, then see how they do. I mean, if they show up in pajamas, but they're, it's successful and they're doing good work and they're not, you know, jerks, then so what? But if they're not, then, you know, you get, then you change, you know, change the, the mood. <laughs> Well, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to break it up. I don't want this to be because here's what it feels like. So far, we're in one big continuous flow. Yes. I want I, this is why I want it to be different. I want to disrupt their rhythm from last March or this past March all the way through now. Once we get to August or September, whatever it is, I want to disrupt it and say, okay, you are now officially in school. And this is why it's going to feel like school. You'll have the alarms going off. You'll brush your teeth. You'll have your, your breakfast and then your school's going to be started. And you'll have, I'm not, you don't have to get dressed up. You know, the t-shirt and the basketball shorts. I'm cool with that. That's not a problem. But you're going to sit I, up at a table and do your work, not yes. on the sofa. And, yes. Yeah. And you're going to be there for the class. And then when you have a break, you're going to go outside and do whatever you want to do. And then you're going to come back and you're going to do your homework. I mean, listen, their structure and schedules tend to work better for the majority of people, certainly children. It, that's why they succeed when they're in school. Um, so I, I'm not, I'm, I'm with you on that, but I also think that you're trying to control a situation that you can't control. Like, I know you think that you're trying to shake up something that's been going on since March, but newsflash, you, we've been doing this since fucking March. Like you, you, you setting alarms in your house and putting them at a kitchen table is not going to change anything. We're still in the middle of a fucking pandemic and they're on zoom. So Okay, like, I'm trying to elevate their effort level to eight from three. Well, if you you know your kids, if you think that setting an alarm at seven fifteen and making them brush their teeth is going to do that, then you know, good luck. You most people don't need to brush their teeth to feel you know productive in the day, but <laughs> but but maybe in your house they structure. Do. Hey, maybe that's a you know maybe that's a goal. Maybe that's something you check the box on brushing teeth. Most people's house, that's just something you do. Your well, house, no, that's, no. that's a, you know, you get a, you get a gold star for that. Yes. You have to, oh no, that has to be brought up every 
Yes, every day that has to be. Did you brush your teeth? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, but you forget. You've forgotten now 243 days in a row. It's almost impossible to forget that many days in a row. It's almost impossible. Lance, I think you've got some things to. I think you need to have a house meeting. Uh, we like have you tried to have a house meeting. I tried, and my wife just my wife came in with, "Why can't they be in pajamas?" Damn it, woman! I'm trying to do something here. I'm trying to be a disruptor. I mean, here's something that I'll, I'd like to bring up, though. You won't even be here anyway. Well, that's true. You know, I just taught my sons today that actions speak louder than words. They were talking about this kid who was bragging. Da da da. I said, "Actions speak louder than words," and I feel like this is coming into play a little bit because what they see is you eating on a towel on your bed with no shirt on. And so that's, if that's, I always have model, a shirt on when I do it, that was a different thing. The towel on the bed is to not get stuff on my bed. And I like to watch TV in that back room. So I don't okay. have to talk to anybody. You watching TV horizontal while eating on a towel on your bed. Yeah. Not setting the right example for you to then come out and say, you need to sit at a desk and be, and be, have your breakfast made and your teeth brushed and you need to be paying attention. I mean, they're just following examples. That's you, all that's, I'm telling you. That's great. What, what is it that you were teaching your kids? You, what was the saying you taught them? Actions speak louder than words. I taught my kids something too. What's do as that? I say, not as I do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's another go. one. So my kids got to learn another one. I don't know, man. We'll see. You know where my parents are right now? Where? You know where they called me from today? Not jail. You, no, no, not jail. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the name of something and I'm going to see how, if you can, if you can tell me where my parents were today. Okay. Okay. They, they called me from lunch at a restaurant called Para Llevar. That means to go. That does mean to go. Mm -hmm. Now you should know this because the, the owner of this restaurant listens to our podcast and considers you a friend, and I have a feeling if you don't know the answer to this, it's going to be a shot to the heart. The owner of the restaurant listens to this pod. Are they in Marfa? They are in Marfa. That's Seth Siegel Gardner. Is that the they're, name of his, his place? Is named Pariyavar? Yeah, yeah, sure is. And they are uh, they're in Marfa. They're driving out to California, and they uh, they stopped to have uh, some pizza and salad with Seth, and said the restaurant is unbelievable. Uh, and I know we have a lot of people that listen in Texas. So if you, or, or, and people from all over go to Marfa. So if you are on the road in a Winnebago and you're happy to be listening to this and anywhere near Marfa, you should go check it out. Um, it, it's supposed to be an incredible restaurant. And I know from Seth's other restaurant as to you, the guy can cook. Oh, he's phenomenal. He spent time. Yeah. He spent time all over the world. Um, yeah. In terms of in different kitchens, he is uh, he's phenomenal. Good for him. Good for yeah. him. You know, our guest today is a good friend of mine, um, Andrew Perloff. Have you ever met Andrew? I have not. I we we briefly crossed paths in the fantasy football league that you put us in. That's right. So Andrew, what you're going to find is that he is one of the. I, I I really love talking to him because he can go in a bunch of different directions, just like we do. He can really go off script. He is one of the quote unquote Danettes, uh, which is, you know, one of the one of the co-hosts for Dan Patrick. He's been on he's been doing that for a while. But his other life, and he's very similar to me. He does radio, 
right? But he also has a, a football gig because he writes about football for Sports Illustrated as well. And a guy that will, I, I think, fit in really well off script with us. Yeah, I'm pumped. Uh, I know him only as Mick Lovin, uh, as a fan of the Dan Patrick show. And, and uh, you know, I listen to that show quite a bit. I haven't recently, but, um, but when I was in my car, uh, driving to work, driving around, I would, I would tune in. Um, I find it to be probably the best sports talk morning show, I would say. If I'm thinking of every single radio show that deals with sports in the morning, I would say Dan Patrick show's the best. And with that, let's go off script. Andrew Perloff, McLovin. Here we go. What's up, guys? How you doing? Good, good. How are you? Good. How do I sound? I'm outdoors in New York City. So uh, I hope it's not too loud with ambient noise. No, That's you're, right. uh, it's no, you're it's fine, no man. Yeah, you sound good. Close. Do you live in Brooklyn? Yeah, I live in Brooklyn. I live in Dumbo, Brooklyn, which is, uh, I don't know if you know Brooklyn, right over the bridge. So it's like kind of right in the heart of the action. You know, Nicole, my wife who loves to hike, you know, go on the uh, six hour hikes. Well, right. when we went to Andrew, when we went to Andrew's uh, apartment in uh, Brooklyn, she said, okay, let's walk back. I want to walk the Brooklyn bit bridge. Let's walk back to our hotel, which is about, I don't know, three and a half, four miles away. So of course we hit that walk and it was yeah. a, it's a cool walk. I'm telling you, walking the Brooklyn Bridge is really cool. I'd heard a lot about it, but that really is something you should do. Yeah. I had a buddy of mine who uh he 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 was like a really bad sleepwalker and primarily when he drank and he woke up one night on the Brooklyn Bridge. Cops woke him up on the Brooklyn Bridge. They thought he was no. like a uh, yes, yeah, where to god. Uh, this guy they thought he was high or wasted and he probably was wasted or high or a little bit of both before but he woke up there had no clue how he got there they dropped him back off in his apartment and uh it's a miracle it's a miracle he he lived to be honest with you that's incredible sometimes they're jumpers and uh they shut down the bridge because these guys climb to the very top and then new york city cops have to climb to the top of the bridge it's terrifying it happened about a month ago this SWAT team had to go to the top and talk him off, and they shut the bridge down for like four hours. It is, Did you get uh, a view of that? Yeah. Well, no, I couldn't see the dude. I was watching on Twitter, to be honest. It was just <laughs> funny because a hundred other people did. You know, everything you can see anything now on Twitter. So something that's happened outside my door. I go on Twitter and find out like if there's like a a lot of sirens or something. I'm like, oh, let's see what it is. So you I go to Twitter to find out, dude. Like, um, well. A real reason is the protests really focused on my neighborhood. So they were coming from something about a half a mile over there from Barclay Center, where the Nets play, coming through Brooklyn Heights over the bridge. And you could start to hear things get weird. And then you start hearing the chanting and the cops and the people, which so you could hear all that from my apartment really clearly. And it was so weird, too, because the city had been so quiet for three months because everyone was locked down. Then all of a sudden there was this explosion of people because of the protests. And that was all kind of happening right in my neighborhood. So yeah, there were times I was like, what's going on outside? And I would go on Twitter and read the police thing. And they'd have just all the, like where the protests are going. That was all on Twitter. It's been a really weird time in New York city. Yeah. Did, now did you, were you born and raised in New York? No, I'm from Philly outside of okay. Philly, L lower Marion high school, home oh. of yeah, Kobe Bryant. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brother was on the team with him. I was not. Were you on the team at all? Yeah, yeah. I was on the team. I'm, I'm older than Kobe. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. I, was, I wasn't good. It's funny because I wasn't good, but I played JV in college. Don't ask me how. And uh, so I call myself a college basketball player, but it's a bit of a, <laughs> I don't know if it's totally accurate. No, that's fine. I mean, I played club lacrosse at USC uh, and I, I consider myself a college athlete. Uh, yeah. I was a student athlete. Yeah. I mean, we, we drank beer from a keg on the sideline during the games, <laughs> but it, but it didn't matter. I was a student athlete at the, I played lacrosse at USC. If anybody asks. And when, if you listen to the podcast, you'd know Andrew also that, um, Eric is kind of a Navy seal mm-hmm. and I'm kind mm-hmm. of a chef. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I, I'm mm-hmm. impressed, but I didn't know that Eric was basically a cohort of Reggie Bush and Harold minor, a USC athlete. So that, that changes everything, you know, a Trojan yeah. for life. Yeah, I mean, I always remember just kind of being in the athletic training room with Carson and like getting our ankles taped, you know, before <laughs> games. And we kind of just like talk about like our, our regimen, yeah. you know, and our training regimen. Um, he was always kind of asking advice just because my, my endurance was so high. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, actually, you can imagine. Actually, I, I know Carson a little bit. I think he'd be more interested on in the keg on the sideline with you than talking about athletics, but not <laughs> yes. like... That came off wrong. I, I hung out with him a little bit. I don't know, Lance, did you see him at the Super Bowl this year? He was no, doing the rounds a lot. He was doing the rounds a lot, and uh, he's such a laid-back dude. I don't know if you read that feature that Sam Farmer or the LA Times wrote on him. He's such a laid-back dude. He did this thing this year. He Dan Patrick had him on. I'm on the Dan Patrick Show. And Dan said, can I have your Heisman? Three weeks later, we get a package. Carson just mailed us his Heisman. And I hope he's not listening. It's sitting in our studio right now. And it was like, he's like, yeah, sure. It's just sitting in my garage. Might as well display it. So Carson Palmer's Heisman is 10 feet behind me during the show because he's such a nice dude that he just sent it in. Um, that, and, you that's, know, that's I don't think incredible. That, I'm not sure the Heisman Trust is thrilled about that, by the way. So hopefully they're not <laughs> listening. Who are your who are your favorite guests that you've had on the show? Like of, of all the of all the people that you've had on the Dan Patrick show, how many years have you been on the Dan Patrick show? Wow, since uh, a full time since two thousand nine or two thousand yeah two thousand nine. Uh, I was part time Sports Illustrated's part time Dan. Going back, the first week was when the Giants beat the Patriots in two thousand eight. So mm-hmm. I've been associated with Dan now for twelve years, full time on the show about ten and a half. Um, there's a, there's a few like classic guests. I mean, Charles Barkley is our guy. And I know a lot of shows say that, but Charles Barkley really is our guy. Like he's been since the beginning, he's been there the whole time. And he's so awesome. Will Ferrell is another like real, real, uh, loyal guest and great dude. And, um, and Reggie Miller's the other really regular guest. who's also a great dude. So those are the guys who go out of their way. You know, I judge them because you guys know the setup of the show, right? It's like Howard mm-hmm. Stern show. So it's Dan is Howard and we're like kind of Artie and Fred and Gary. But like we judge guests, though. We're called the Danettes, the four producers. And we judge the guests on how, how much t- time they spend with us. So we don't care how the interview is. Like if they come up before the interview and say, what's up, guys? How you doing? How's the family? Like, well, that's a great guest right there. So, you know, the guys that are Strahan is the coolest. Uh, he's always been really nice. Darius Rucker. That's another long time. Oh, I'd say, great. oh, the nicest guy. And a lot of this was a Dan. They've all been Dan Patrick fans since 1995. You know, sure. Darius had um, Darius had Dan in a lot of his videos. And, of course, the all-time one. Adam Sandler. 
Yes, who's had Dan in every movie. Yeah. You know, Eric, not to get you nervous, I've been in three movies now. Wow. Wow. Well, we could st- we could talk craft then. I mean, we yeah. can really we could yeah we could sit down and 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 talk craft. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, what movies were of Sandler's were you in? Okay, uh, uh, that's my boy. Where with Andy Samberg. So mm-hmm. I acted across from Susan Sarandon. I don't know if you're familiar with her. I was uh, awesome. boom mic operator. Um, then uh, that was my biggest scene. Then we did a movie called Pixels with I. Can't remember, I think Josh Gad was in. It was about video games come to life. And we were a White House press corps. The last one, this is the best one. This is real craft. And I see Lance's too now because this is not as. You know, oh, no. I'm looking uh, at tomato meters on all of them right now. So far, was, you're at 20%. <laughs> so the last one was a movie called The Week Of, where Chris Rock's daughter marries Adam Sandler's son. It's a Netflix movie. It was really good. Robert Smigel, the, you know, who plays uh, the guy behind Triumph, the insult dog genius comic genius Saturday Night legend he's the director all day we're playing for the shot we're gonna be like in a little league game or something it rains so everything's blown up but we can only be there for one day because we have to go back and do the show tomorrow so at the last at the end of the day we've been shooting for 12 hours doing nothing it's raining we're cold he goes all right boys i got a shot it's gonna kill you're gonna walk across this parking lot when Adam is walking on the other side of the parking lot. You're gonna be in the background. So for this movie, we are the four of us are walking across a parking lot for one second on air. After, uh, and, but we always say this line: Robert Smigel comes to his voice. This is gonna kill. Be Sandler said. <laughs> Sandler said, "You guys, you got to get those idiots into the movie real quick." But uh, I don't know what is. I'm not sure what his reputation is, but he seems like the nicest Hollywood guy of all. Like he's so cool. I uh, I've only crossed paths with him one time. He was super cool, down to earth. Whenever I've seen him, he's he's in jeans in like a t-shirt or basketball shorts in a t-shirt. I mean, it, like he's just he's one of those guys. Like there are zero fucks given in terms of like Hollywood. Yeah, and he's just you know he really like embraces what he has and how the success he has, but doesn't take himself seriously. And like those, it's just fantastic. It's really cool to see. And, and uh, I'm just glad that you guys are getting offers for these movies and, and I'm busting my ass, you know, for 22 years to audition for him. So I'm really happy for you, Perloff. Well, yeah. How about Lance? Have you ever been approached about being in anything? Yeah. You know what? Um, In 2001, I got an I got an email from a guy who was a longtime listener. Well, one long time. I was, I'd only been on the radio for four years, but he loved the show. This guy loved the show, and his um, what is it? His sister was married to Robert Rodriguez, Ooh. and yeah, and he told and Robert Rodriguez was pretty hot at this particular time, and so he reached out to his sister and said, "Hey, there's a guy in Houston that does imitations. He's hilarious. He does this, that, and the other." I think he would be great doing something as an extra or a bit player or a small role in one of Robert's movies. And she said, well, send me his information and yada, yada, yada. So the guy said, hey, I'm just letting you know. Is that cool if I send that? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> I don't – it was a short I, – I can go check the – I can go check somewhere on, you know, on Wikipedia. It was a short time after that. I know Robert Rodriguez got divorced from her, and I was like, well, that's going to do that. Uh, oh, wait, think, wait. Uh, the, the funny guy – the funny guy you're talking about was you. I was confused. I thought you were yeah. talking about. Wait, uh, no, no, yeah, no. Exactly. It was 100 percent me. Let's go to these tomato meters for your movies. <laughs> He's hilarious. I looked him up. 
<laughs> yeah, apparently so. I like how, I like how you threw that in. That the way she described it was this guy. He's hilarious. He I would not have done that. I would not have said it like that. But other right. people are saying that about me. Yeah, so, yeah. You would have made of impressions. Yeah. Uh, speaking of impressions, one of my favorite, and and I'm a fan of y'all show, and you guys do a killer job, by the way. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you. And and it, but one of my favorite is a guy who y'all have had on who did an impression. And I don't know if I like the impression itself is incredible, but the reaction of you guys to the impression is even better. And I feel like, you know who I'm going to say right now. I do. I, is it Bill Hader doing Keith? Yes. Yes. Keith Morrison and Bill Hader doing Keith Morrison might be the funniest thing I've ever seen. And and when I watched, when I heard him do it on your show, I then went and, and, (laughs) What like I went down like a YouTube rabbit hole yeah. of him doing different impressions, which yeah. is a great hour and a half. If you have the hour and a half to do it, just type them into YouTube and 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 grab some popcorn and go because the guy is so funny. But yeah. when he does Keith Morrison and you guys can't hold it together, and yeah. then after and then after the interview, there's like a legit five minutes of you guys just continuing to laugh about it. Is yeah. is that's worth it all to me? Yeah. Because we're big Dateline fans, like everybody is. Of course, yeah. I have a question, like, for an actor, like, why... He's not the best impersonator, but it's the funniest impersonation. Like, what's the difference? Like, I mean, yeah, like, and Jay Farrow is on a lot, and he's the great person. Like, why is it, like, not... What makes an impersonator great? Because it's obviously not the ability to get as close to the voice. Like, there's something funny about an impersonator. I don't know what the skill is. Well, I just think he... uh, The best ones, to me... They take those two or three traits and they exaggerate them. That's what it is. You also also have to be a good writer because whatever you're going to do, you know, you want the writing to be crisp, but you want to take those one or two things. You know, Cal Yendo (laughs) will take, you know, he'll take one or two things from Madden and he'll just dial them up to a 10. You know, so with Morrison, you know, he's so good at taking not only the 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 way he sounds but his cadence and then and then obviously the way he writes that impression you know is just that pesky dna it's just that you can't get away i mean that's it's brilliant so you do it's just writing and taking that picking that one thing to exaggerate so as someone who has done impressions for a long time you absolutely nailed it you absolutely nailed it it is the cadence it's things like it's picking up on mannerisms cadence you all you do is blow them up a little bit and then for me like i did my friend i did my charles barkley for frank caliendo and frank uh because i've known frank since i guess 99 when i first got him on the radio and frank said you've got to do that imitation he wasn't doing barkley at the time he said you got to do that imitation on the radio for roy green who's like his best friend you got to do the imitation of charles pretend like you're charles and so i did that on a radio show and Roy, I'm sure knew it wasn't Charles, but he kind of played along and, um, and Frank said, Hey, you don't care. I mean, I just gonna let you know, I'm going to start trying to do the Frank, the, uh, Charles imitation. Yeah. I mean, own the Charles imitation. But one of the things that I gave him is something that I picked up on was he was always, because you got to remember now, this is when Charles was just out, I guess, of basketball. And I picked up on everything being terrible. 
and Hurrible. Oh, and yeah. I, and that's something that Fra- and when the next time I saw Frank, I said, make sure you say everything is terrible, terrible, because yeah. everything right here is it's a, it's a very terrible situation, you know, and everything was terrible. <laughs> and so he took that. But that it's an important thing, because when you do imitations, it's the terribles and Hurrible's that that really make a difference. But what really sets it off is if you're quick witted enough to pivot and do things from an improv standpoint and haters facial express. And I think the other thing is Frank Caliendo, we need to get Frank on the show too, but Frank does a great job of capturing the facial expressions. It's amazing. Yeah, his, his Gruden, like it's, all it's, his face. it's unbelievable. All his face. That's another one. I was, I told him, I said, you got to do a Gruden. And I'd been doing a Gruden, and I do a pretty good Gruden. Wait a minute. Can we just wait a minute? Yeah, I swear yeah, yeah. to God, so this we, is all true. Hold on a minute. I are swear we, to God. Are we breaking news that you essentially are the ghostwriter for Caliendo? Yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I you wrote, are taking claim of Terrible hey. and Charles Barkley, and now you're about to take claim of Gruden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just I want gave, to make sure that we're just we're hearing you on. right here. We'll get him. We'll get him on the show. I wrote one. He actually. I was a writer for one of his pieces where he was the school. I swear to God, he was just, he was like a school teacher as Gruden, like a history teacher on, I don't know what, I guess it was ESPN. Right. So he was a school teacher and he was a history teacher as Gruden and you had the kids there. And so I wrote up some things that he could say, like I helped him write that skit. I got a check and I was like, this is amazing. I hope he asked me to do more. And he didn't. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I'm not sure why, because it killed. It was really funny. But um, you, you can go find, if you type in Gruden and uh, Crawfish, try, type in John Gruden and Crawfish right now on YouTube. Go back, see how far you go back, and you'll find me doing draft analysis of these live crawfish that I had before <laughs> I was going to boil them and eat them. You can find it on YouTube back in 2014, spring of 2014. I wow. think we're going to have to get a Saturday Night Live audition lined up for you. No, it's and, over now. And we'll yeah, just see now. We'll see what you go with. Yeah, It's I over. Mean, we got to get you, back to Robert you get, Rodriguez. Yeah, sure. I was going to say, Robert, which, by the way, I just read his his film. I just, <laughs> unlike you, I'm not getting offers. So I actually auditioned for his film last week uh, that he's doing Ooh. with Ben Affleck in L.A. Uh, killer Really cool script. Really cool script. Maybe I maybe actually now that I think about it, I should have you reach out to the ex-wife and see if there's yeah. a like if you could help me out there. I no? didn't know her. I just her brother listened to my show, I guess. It's something Avalon or whatever. I just looked it up. But um hey, yeah, so Zerline, the hilarious yeah, radio yeah, yeah. show. Do you host? remember an email about 19 years yeah, yeah, ago? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know Frank Galliendo? He got everything from Lance. Listen, Lance said, John Madden. You got to do John Madden. <laughs> no, no, he came on. So his Madden's perfect. But just to build, just to get back to Bill Hader for a second. Well, first of all, Caliendo's facial expressions, his Gruden facial expressions are uh, amazing. And then the makeup crew at ESPN was Ooh. just off the charts. But the other thing that I think makes Bill Hader really good is that. He, he, there's so much energy in his facial expressions. Like Gruden, I mean, Gruden, Caliendo nails the facial expressions. I mean, really nails them and the subtleties. Bill Hader takes what you do and magnifies not only the cadence, but also how 
the facial expressions and the eyes, you'll always notice his eyes are very wide for every imitation he does. And it's, it just draws you in. I think he's, there's a skit on Saturday night live where he does um, a Daniel Plainview, and yeah. where he's doing, it's called, I drink your milkshake is oh, the yeah. name of the skit. Uh, did and you write that for him? I, I submitted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a user submitted thing. I won a contest. Yeah, that was mine. Wait, yeah. who do you guys like better? Will Forte or um, Bill Hader? If you had to choose one. Hater. Hater. I'd, I'd probably Forte. go Hader also. But Forte's, Forte is so rock solid. Dude, he's just a weird genius. Like Nebraska, like, uh, yeah, he's, they're both. But, yeah, but those guys are both great actors, too. Like Bill Hader, you see him in this show where he's the killer. Like, he's, he's so can, good. That's like real acting jobs, right? I, yeah no barry's great man yeah that show is awesome and he does a killer job with it and yeah he's he really impressed me with that show he really impressed me with that show yeah one more dateline related question have you guys gotten into unsolved mysteries on netflix do you know about i'm about to yeah so i've heard that's kind of all the rage yeah yeah unsolved mysteries yeah because we have to get together and solve some of these we had some work to do boys (laughs) like after you're done writing sketches for frank caliendo we got to get on the internet (laughs) one sketch it was one sketch (laughs) it's amazing how far we've how long ago like if i were to say how long ago was tiger king i mean it feels like a year (laughs) and a half yeah i don't even remember that that was exactly dude remember somebody brought up the super bowl the Chiefs and the Niners was that that was six months ago. Feels like it was like a decade ago. I know. Uh, well, I, speaking of that, speak going back to Lower Marion. You remember this was going to be the year that we remembered the death of Kobe, and it was yeah. like, oh my god, this is going to. Yeah. And then that was in January, like a day after my birthday. I think it was January twenty second, and it's crazy because when that happened, it was just blew everyone away. It was such a major deal the pandemic hits and it's like you don't even, you, you hardly hear anything about Kobe yeah. Bryant anymore other than they're going to obviously push the hall of fame induction ceremony yeah. um, back to next year. And I think that's the right moves so that you can really properly honor all the hall of famers, yeah, all right, but including Kobe. I have a friend, uh, Mike Sealski with the inquire. I don't know if you've ever had him on Lance. He's a great writer. He's doing a book on. He got the Kobe book, so he's called. He called me. I cooked him up with my brother, and uh, he's doing a real exhaustive book that is going to be unbelievable on Kobe's youth. Because he, the dude is so was so interesting. Lived in Italy, you know. His dad was a 76er. and I think he was about to explode in Hollywood too. Like it's, you're right. It's, it feels like a long time ago, but it still sucks. He was. He's like my. I moved to LA 22 years ago, uh, and. He's why I kind of fell in love with the Lakers. Like I, I was a Rockets fan, and but all of a sudden I started going to these games because I was at SC, which is you know for those who don't know, right down the street from Staples, and I'm watching Kobe, and I just I fell I fell in love, and I was just like this is my guy, and I loved watching him, and I loved hearing stories about him. I can't wait for that book you just mentioned. Yeah, I don't even think he was like the most talented player of his time. I just think he was more competitive. And more driven than all those other guys, right? That was like make Kobe Kobe. Not that he was obviously highly skilled, but as he, they're more. Vince Carter was more athletic than him. I think. I there's a player on the Lakers that I always said if he, if he had Kobe's heart, he. I know who it he'd is. Be a top ten player. Oh, of all time. I know who it is. Easy, easy. 
I do yep. too. Lamar Odom. That was easy. Yeah. There was no mismatch. I mean, that guy, it was so crazy to watch him on the court. And you're like, dude, if you had 70% of what Kobe Bryant has, mentality and heart, you're t- you could be a top 10 player of all time. Like the guy was such a mismatch at every, I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And, but some people just have that and some people don't. But that's what made Kobe. I mean, that's why I feel like the sons of Jordan, you know, the, the generation like, like me who grew up with Michael Jordan, watching Michael Jordan and like, oh my God, this guy. And, you know, I love Clyde Drexler. I loved Akeem Olajuwon. Um, Dream was my personal favorite player. But the respect level you ended up, uh, you know, I was always anti. Michael Jordan's the best. It was magic. You know, magic is better than him right now. Bird has titles, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of fight off the the Jordan fans early on. And then at some point, I, I guess it's really once he got probably at least his second title, the realization that you're just watching something on a completely different level. I never thought that I was watching that with, with Kobe. Mm-hmm. But it is funny because, because Kobe would copy everything Michael Jordan did. Like he was trying so hard to be – Jordan and he was made fun of early in his career. Right. But then as his career goes on, you start to realize, holy shit, he is copying everything with Jordan and he's following a pathway that's been set for him. And that includes the competitive nature. That includes the work ethic. That includes everything being a prick at some points. And that's part of it too, that I don't think you have to be an asshole to be great, but I think there's a lot of great players in different sports who are kind of assholes. And and it's in a way one of the things that separates them a little bit is they don't care whose feet they step on because they they're so singularly dedicated on their path towards greatness that they they just don't put up with people who are not going to be on board. Yeah, I don't know. Was LeBron that early in his career? I think that's what LeBron lacked. Something Kobe had. Sorry, there's a motorcycle gang over my shoulder here, but. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like remember LeBron would pass up the uh, last second shots early in his career, and it's, uh, people are like the, the Mavericks. Yeah, that was yeah, a big- he, he didn't have that Kobe killer mentality. I think he has a lot of it now, but and that's not to take anything away from LeBron. But imagine, you know, I don't think like LeBron is more talented than Kobe, right? Talking about more talented, but I think he's a combination of the two, proving you don't have to be like that to win titles. Dude, I think what there's was the one all-star? game. There's one game in particular where. You saw Kobe Bryant and you were like, there was one game that I'm thinking of where Kobe Bryant proved that not only did he know he was the best on the court, but everybody that was playing with basically told him he was the best on the court. You remember the game? Is it 2012 All-Star game? Nope. Gold medal game in the Olympics, 2008. Oh, yeah. Yeah, They deferred to him. Without him, they lose that game. And you had the best players in the world on that team just giving it to Kobe. Yeah. But the 2012 All-Star game is the one where in the fourth quarter, he basically said, all right, I'm going to check LeBron James, and this is not going to be a fun game for him. We're not going to run up <laughs> and down and dunk and lob. I'm going to guard him as tightly as I can. And My kids were getting a little, Kobe Bryant is not nah, nah, nah. LeBron is 10 times a player. I said, hey, they were literally outside. I said, hold on. We're going to shut down everything. We're going to go inside to YouTube. And I literally pulled up that YouTube clip of, it was, it was play after play after play. They were all cut-ups of all the plays in the fourth quarter where LeBron was being guarded by Kobe. And I said, I just want you to know who Kobe Bryant was. And this is – he was still – I mean, this was over yeah. a year ago. So Kobe's still alive. He was just out of basketball. 
but I wanted my kids to have as my kids are kind of basketball historians. They, they go way back and they respect the, the, you know, the, the generations of basketball players before today's generation. And I wanted them to know who Kobe was. I was like, this guy was a killer. This guy, what he's doing in an all-star game is almost unheard of because guys don't play like this defensively in all-star games. And that was Kobe trying to make a point to LeBron very specific. And really, I think to all of basketball, like, Hey, I am glad that you guys are all riding LeBron's jock. That's great. I just want to make sure and remind you. And I was like, man, this is the most Jordan-y thing I've ever seen. That's like a super Jordan moment. I feel sorry for your, your kids. Are they huge Rockets fans? Because they're thinking like, Oh, basketball is supposed to be played with one guy dribbles all the time and takes four travels like three times and scores 40 points a game, but shoots six <laughs> times. you know where I'm going. Are they big hearted guys? So, you know, what's funny is it's funny. You ask that because I almost, I almost at added Daryl Morey on Twitter. My son is playing NBA 2k and he's got, um, he's got Derek Coleman as you know, old Derek Coleman from the 1991 first player of the draft from Syracuse. And so on his, you know, and he's got, they've got historical players. So he brings Derek Coleman onto his team. You know, he can buy and he can buy and sell cards and they're part of his team now or whatever. And he's all pissed off because Derek Coleman can't shoot threes. He's like, this guy sucks. He misses every three point shot. I'm like, that's Derek Coleman. Derek Coleman's supposed to be in the fucking paint, son. He's <laughs> jump hooks and little eight footers. But my kids are little kids. My kids are born into rocket culture. They think if you're a four, you got to be able to shoot it from distance. Like what? What is it? What the hell is this guy not shooting threes for? Because Derek Coleman didn't shoot threes. Not everybody shoots threes. I know you think they do because you watch the Rockets, but not every six foot ten power forward shoots threes. But I hate that. I I can't watch Lamarcus Aldridge, and I was not a Duncan fan. I like these stretch fours. I'm into it. Like I, I'd rather shoot the threes. I'm with your second. But you, but, but you you watch basketball obviously during yeah. you know when like you had uh you know when the when it was all about the five right you had to have yeah. the five. That's I the only mean, way you won a title was with that's the only way you won with or the team or yep right right of course. But uh, you prefer this brand of basketball better. I do, but what happened to those guys? When I was a kid, there was like a Ewing would come out, then a Robinson, then an Akeem. Like, there's nobody like that. I guess they play outside now, but there's no huge, like, there's no Patrick Ewings anymore. Do they, are they not around? Are they just learn different skills or what's the deal? Well, yeah, the skill set. DeAndre Ayton, is he that guy? Like, the guys who go number one, Mo Bamba, like, he wouldn't go number one. Do those guys have a place in today's NBA? I don't think so. Well, I, but you know, but they would have been, first of all, those big men would have been developed with back to the basket at earlier ages, they would have played two to three years of, of college. Like we used to see, Let, let's say back in the day, they would have had a minute. Patrick Ewing played four years of college basketball. Right. There is no substitute for a quarterback playing three or four years in college. There's no substitute for a big man uh, or, or a college basketball playing three or four years in college. When other players are also playing three or four years, you just develop your skill level, your mentality, um, your poise. And I think, that is a skilled position to be a big man offensively. That is a skilled position. And I just don't think it's worked on, to be honest with you. I don't think we'll ever see it come back either. Yeah, not, not to that level. Yeah. Because Kevin Durant took it outside. He's seven feet tall. Dirk Nowitzki took it outside. Yeah. Like these guys don't want to play back. Would you watch the way the Greek freak plays? And you're yeah. just like, yeah. I mean, it's just unbelievable. He's a point guard. He's built like, 
He's totally a point guard. Yeah, it's crazy. Speaking of, what what is your do you think A that they're gonna play yeah. basketball? Oh, and yeah. I, and and who who do you like? So I think the news is good. What was the last thing I heard was two tests out of 322 people there. And I know some people tested uh, positive, but even the guys who test positive are back. Uh, you know, Harden's back already. I know Harden didn't make it official, but everyone but, seems to know. Yeah. Westbrook is going to be back. Jokic is back. So I think the numbers have been great. I think the NBA is thrilled with how it's going so far. Um, yeah, I like – so I'm really into this. I'm so into this. Uh, I think the Rockets are a dark horse team. I'm really curious to see how they play. And I'm a Sixers fan, and I think they're an odd team. It's just like such an odd – they are so good defensively. And Bede and Simmons are monsters on defense. So I'm hoping the Sixers can make a run. I mean, if I would bet on the Lakers and the Bucks being there, but – and the Clippers right behind them. But I, I think some dark horses, are, the Rockets and the Sixers, are going to put a little money down on them. Just might as well. Yeah. yeah I, the, I'm surprised ahead, that the Rockets are fifth in Vegas. Yeah. Like, they weren't playing that. When the season ended, they didn't feel like they had any chance of competing. And then magically, through a pandemic and, uh, you know, basically 120 days off, all of a sudden, the Rockets are like the fifth favorite to win the title. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the Lakers. I I think the the loss of Rondo, uh, the loss of Avery. I I think in their age, I think maybe the time off helps their age. But yeah. I but I think that's it's going to be really hard for them. Um, I the Clippers. I mean, yeah. on paper, they're really. I mean, that's just going to be a really hard out. And Kawhi just having been there, uh, and he's so good. Uh, Paul George is healthy. They're so deep. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I'd love to see a Laker Clippers, you know, Western conference final. I think that'd be awesome. I, I, I would give the edge to the Clippers, even though I'd be rooting for the Lakers. Um, and it's just, you know, all you remember is what just happened. Right. So you're yeah. just remembering this season and you're like, are the bucks, I mean, can the bucks lose? But then yeah, again, but- it's been so much time off. It's like you, you think about how much momentum is lost uh, with all this time off and how that's going to affect these guys. I guess they're all in the same boat, but how does it affect them? Well, they lost last year and they were the best team, but yeah. I got, I got, I pissed off Dan the other day and I was just talking shit about, it. I, I saw the sub video of Anthony Davis and LeBron working out. I'm like, Anthony Davis is the best player on that team. He is insane. Um, and I'm a LeBron fan too, but that's what, if, if the Lakers are going to win, it's because Anthony Davis is unstoppable. But you're right, the Clippers on paper, man. Do you, but you guys, you probably see more of Paul George than me. Is he? Is he? Is he good? Tell me what the deal is here. Is he? Is he a championship caliber player? Oh, uh, I think on that team he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not. You know, you're not putting him on a team where he has to like carry the load every single day and every single. You know, so yeah, I think he absolutely is. And you've got a guy in Kawhi who, yeah. you know, carried Toronto. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. I mean, absolutely carried him. So you don't even, you know, Paul George just, you know, you've got, it's like, you know, Kawhi did it with Siakam and now you got to, you get Paul George. Like I, to me, that's an, you know, that's an upgrade. Um, I think the Lakers, the big X factor for the Lakers is going to be Kuzma because yeah. I think Kuzma is going to have to be able to step up and prove his worth in the playoffs. And it'll be really interesting to see how he plays. He'll have to get his hair cut all squared up and make uh, sure he looks like, you know, but uh yeah, to me to me he's good. he's he's a big X factor for the Lakers. What do you guys think about the Mavericks as a dark horse? 
They, I they, like him. I mean, Porzingis, Porzingis is playing like he looks like he can. Man, that's an interesting team. I think that is a real – you know, to we got to find out if, if the vibe is the same as when the season ended. Because if yeah. it is, then the Mavericks could be a tough out, but they're not going to win a championship. But, you know, if things are different. If things are different for the Clippers, if the Lakers don't find their groove, you have two young, diverse talents there uh, with Luka and Porzingis that I do think – I do think the um, – you know, the Rockets are a little bit older team, but they've got two – two vastly superior athletes and James Harden, who's an electric scorer. And then you have a great athlete, in Russell Westbrook, but Russell's kind of crazy. Like you don't know what version of Russell you're going to get. You know what you're going to get from Kawhi. You know what you're going to get from Paul George. You know what LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to give you, but Porzingis and Luca to me, they're up there from a talent standpoint. They're up there with the other two. Comp- they're not quite Clipper level. They're not quite Laker level. But they're really trending in a good direction. I think they're well coached. I think that is a team you don't I don't think they won a championship, but I do think that's a team that could end up potentially being in a final four. Yeah. Did you see the report that uh Harden is in good shape, by the way? Because that's one thing that this hiatus helps because Harden always wear his legs run out by the end of the playoffs. Maybe this will help. He had lost 18 pounds. We had his train his new trainer on. He was running hills in Arizona. Look, our jokes are always about strip clubs. Like you can imagine what James is doing this during this pandemic. And you know, we 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 expected the worst. And then all of a sudden these pictures show up on Twitter of James looking almost emaciated as he's running up and down the hills of Arizona. And I'm like, dude, he's putting in work. Then you see him in in Miami area doing all these crunches and and exercises and and James and I wondered we talked about this on the radio I wonder how many players watching the last dance how yeah. that had an impact on players saying I want my legacy to be different because James is one of those guys who is one of the greatest scorers of all time but his legacy is not great and maybe it's something that clicked with him maybe not but maybe that was something that made him say you know what I'm going to use this time to really get in great shape we know the famous one when there was a lockout back in a what was it? Uh, 99, I guess when Sean Kemp was the rain man before he went in. And then after that, he was like waffle man. Like he came back 320 pounds. Like what the hell happened to Sean Kemp? This is, and he never got back to being, you know, the Sean Kemp that we knew, but I think you're going to see a different version of James. I think, you know, we expected the worst, but I think he did take that time to maybe reshape his body a little bit too. I don't think you can underestimate, though the time off and I think in some players it's going to be a positive you know I think for LeBron James it's going to be a positive but you know his age any of those guys maybe James Harden but as you both know from just your profession like if you like if you even went on vacation for a week and then you came back to do a show it's like clunky there at the beginning. Yeah. You know, you're not like the 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 banter and just the timing might be a little off. Um, you know, we see it all the time in baseball when you've got a team that kind of shuts it down or maybe they have to wait a series for the wild card that takes a week and a half. Um, I think that momentum, it, you know, I think some teams are going to come out firing and it's going to be fine. I think other teams, there are going to be some teams. I don't know if it's going to be the Lakers, the Clippers, Milwaukee, the teams that were on fire that I think are going to start this thing. And you're going to go, what, what happened? Like that's not the same team. But I want to bring this up and say, I don't know if you've ever dealt with this, Andrew. I've been on two, I've had two different times 
uh, in my career where I had to sit out because of a non-compete and yeah. that, that time to, to sit out and hang out and get your hunger back and rest and recharge. Like I came back so energized really both times and the grind of the season at about 72, 74 games for these players, you could sense, I, I watch Rockets a lot, right? So the Rockets were really starting to wear down. James Harden was, was, I think mentally was starting to wear down a lot. I think there could be, this break is going to really invigorate some players. Now, to your point, Eric, they might be rusty. There's no question. But I think the mental recharge is a really big deal headed into the playoffs for these teams. Yeah, when I'm on vacation, Lance, I come back and I'm shot out of a cannon. And it, it kind of works. Like, we all are and we all say, that's what they're going to look like. They're going to be shot out of a cannon, adrenaline. But they have those eight games to mess around. So, and, you know, the early the early rounds are going to be a joke. Like, the Bucks are going to play the Nets. Who are, right. have, you, have you followed? Like, this is crazy. Like, the team they're putting together is an absolute joke. But, I mean, that'll be one round. Then it'll get real. What do you guys think right. of that? Are you guys asterisk guys? I think no asterisks. If you win this title, you deserve it. I yeah. I mean, first of all, just getting through all this mess yeah. is you know. Now, I think there might be an asterisk on a baseball season. Yeah. Um. You know, because it's the entirety of the season. But for basketball, I think if you make it through this, but I mean, you still have to go play the playoffs. You still have to win four series of four games. All the teams are there. I mean. You know, if somebody goes down with COVID, they could have gone down with an ACL or something. Like, to me, there's no, you know, I don't think there's an asterisk there, personally. Um, Well, let's just be real. If it's Lakers, Bucks, Clippers, if it's one of those three, um, no. No one's going to say anything about an asterisk. Let's say somehow the Mavericks pull it off and they get hot. They get red hot. I do think people are going to make that argument. I don't think it's fair. Because there's plenty of games to be played. Now, if something happens where a team has a spread of COVID because a bunch of Instagram models come in to somebody's, you know, room. Florida? No, no, no. And COVID takes and wipes out a team. And it happens to be a really good team. Let's say the Lakers got got wiped out. Well, then we know that everyone would, you know, I think we have to see what ends up happening. But for me, this isn't a matter of five games that are going to be played. There's plenty of games that are still yet to be played. So you do have to earn it. I, I don't think an asterisk should be put on any team that wins it. But I think if it's not the right team, I think some people will say no. that. Okay. I, I got a question switching gears here. I want to know your feeling on this. I've been reading a lot about college football. I'm a huge college mm-hmm. football fan. What is – I personally think moving college football to the spring is not a good idea. Yeah. I, I think that it's for, you know, reasons of um, the draft, for reasons of we don't even know what this pandemic and COVID, we don't know that there's going to be a vaccine. The The amount of limited time that these guys then will need to get ready for the next season, next fall. Um, but I also understand not playing in the fall. I know there's a monet, a huge, massive monetary hit, but I almost would prefer to see them not play a season than to move it to the spring and screw up, like then push the fall next fall. I would almost see like rather than figure out a way to 
you know, guys who are eligible can go guys who maybe became eligible or would have become eligible this year. They allow them that even though the season didn't happen or they allow them another year. You know, I don't know how they're going to figure all that out, but, but I almost prefer them not play an entire season and start back up in the fall. Yeah. I'm so with you. It's funny bring that up because I wanted to ask Lance about whether he's going to have to, if he thinks he's going to have to scout Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and all these guys based on last year. Now, my understanding is the NFL is going to say, no way are we delaying the draft for you guys. And I, I actually, I think I read that. So you're right. So if you have a college football season without Trevor Lawrence, what is the point? It's so watered down. And I have a full confession because I didn't go to a big college football. A big part of me views college football as a developmental league for the, the NFL. <laughs> and I, I know that's not like, I, I know people hate that. We argue about that all the time, but like, I like college. Lance knows how I watch. You know, I want to watch North Dakota State. I want to see what Trey Lance is doing. I don't, I'm not, I don't have a team that I root for. So I like to see the prospects. And if they're gone, it's really not good. Also, it's just like, it's against a date. Like I, we're talking today, Ohio State, Michigan on Memorial Day. That's not, it doesn't feel right. There's too much tradition. It's wrong. I got to say, just before you answer that, Lance, I'm I'm not only offended by that statement as a student athlete, but I'm a little shocked you being a student athlete uh, with that point of view, a, a college athlete like yourself to have that sort of point of view is is shocking and insulting. Lance, go ahead. <laughs> well, look at that. Well, I hate to get in the middle of two student athletes having a discussion about your alma maters. But um, so here's the here's the here's the thing that I think. Um, it's great that you're looking at it from a fan standpoint, because I can hear that's what, you know, Andrew, what you're talking about. And Eric, I know you, you're talking about the logistics of it and the logistics are, are difficult. The logistics are more difficult than people have really talked about with moving football to spring. And from your point of view, it wouldn't just be Trevor Lawrence that would probably bolt in fields. And it would be a number of players that would probably bolt and opt out of any type of spring football situation, even though the only, I mean, they would have played in the fall if if it didn't get moved. Like they still would be playing. It's not like they would have opted out of their junior season altogether for some of these guys, but I guess maybe the specter of potentially getting hurt with that close of a ramp up to the next season would, would bother them. Here's the real problem though. I'm not even look, I'm looking at this as a pragmatist, because I've read the Mark, I've read Mark Schlaubach's article on ESPN. I have had him on the radio. The devastation that's going to be done to athletic programs across the board if they don't have a football season is substantial. I, I recommend you read it if you don't. And it's and, it, and it's the really scary thing is college football almost can't afford not to play because as we already saw, Stanford has eliminated eleven athletic programs. Um, last week they eliminated 11 of their athletic programs. What you're going to see happen by some point, I think in mid fall, we'll see a lot of schools will have eliminated a lot of non-revenue generating programs, unfortunately, because they just don't have the revenue for it. And if they don't play college football at all, or even if they do with no fans, the non-power five teams, the TV contracts cannot sustain them. Like they need people in the stands. So if you play football with nobody in the stands and you say, well, you still get the TV contract, it's really not enough from the non-power five schools, the group of five teams. And so what's going to happen is they're going to get just annihilated financially, not to mention the out-of-conference games that they count on for paychecks. Those are going to be eliminated. 
in any scenario, whether they play in the fall or whether they play in the spring, those out-of-conference games are going to be gone. And for a lot of teams, that's the paychecks. They take their ass kickings because they're going to get a fat check that they have that will help supplement, you know, help help to uh, supplement their the income for the uh, athletic programs and especially the football program. So I just think college football is going to do everything they can to play because they have to have that money for their universities and for their other programs that are not revenue generating. I just, I'm with you guys. The logistics are incredibly hard in the spring. The logistics are going to be very difficult in the fall. And I don't really see a, a great answer. And if the weather wasn't as inclement as it will be in December and January and February for a lot of schools, I would say, Hey, push the college football season back to maybe December because vaccines could be coming as early as November, maybe early December. But I just don't think that's feasible to have, you know, teams in the, in the Northeast uh, or even in the North in, you know, in the big 10 country playing most of their schedule, all of their schedule in brutally cold weather. I just don't know that that's feasible. Yeah. But you, but if you're saying that the, the revenue has gone, even if they play it without people in the stands, people are not going to be in the stands in the fall. That's not happening. So if they right. play football in the fall, there is not going to be anybody in the stands. I'm so with if you. They, if, if, they need it, if they need it to be in the stands, then they have to move it to the spring. Correct. Correct. And okay, that's why I think then, that's the answer. I think the okay, spring but then is the you're answer. Battling, okay, but then you're battling uh, Major League Baseball in the spring. You're battling the NCAA tournament in the spring. You're battling sure. NBA in the spring. So Who I'm wins? just saying, I, I, listen to me. I understand that people want to watch college football, but there's literally not enough television space for it. Oh, I'm not there's saying enough. that people won't tune in, but there's just not enough space for it. It's no, only I, Saturdays. I mean, it's Thursdays yeah. and Saturdays. What's the big deal? I would Lance, football is king. It'll beat out. Nobody watches early season baseball ratings wise, but you know, Lance, I mean, yeah, that's what, all true. What are you going to do then? What about March madness on the weekends, Thursday to Sunday? There's, um, We'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when you find it because, you know what, college football makes more money than, in general, for programs. The college football season makes more money than the March Madness does. Part of me feels like college sports are so screwed up anyway. Like, if they had their act together before this all happened, they'd be in better shape anyway. But they're so disorganized. And, like, that name image like this stuff, that is real. Like, that should have happened a long time ago. I'm a big advocate that pay, players should have gotten played. And I, I, I don't know why – why is Travis Etienne going back to college, Lance? Like, why do guys like that in a position where you know you're going to take a lot of hits? Like, I feel like these guys should go get paid while they can. That was that was surprising to me, and I, I had a I had what amount to a first round grade on him. I was oh, really wow. surprised that I liked him as much as I did. When I turned the tape on, I was like, wow, I like him a lot more than I expected. And to your question earlier, um, I have I am starting as a matter of fact next week with all my two. I, all my draft write-ups because I am not expecting fall college football. I'm going to work off of the assumption. And so I'm watching 2019 tape. And then we have a tackle like Walt, uh, like a Walker Little from Stanford who tore his ACL and didn't even play last year. I will go back to 2018 and write him up off of 2018 tape. So if football is played, and hopefully it will be, well, I'll, I'll update everything and I, as I watch him. But I have to operate like we're not having fall football. And if that's the case, I think a lot of these players are going to opt out um, if it moves to the spring. And so I need to have write-ups. And if their last year is 2019, then so be it. I'll write them up off 2019 tape. Eric, are you aware? Uh, sorry. Go ahead. Are you aware of how we torture Lance at his write-ups with the Dan Patrick show? Have you ever heard that oh bit? My- 
god. No. Oh, I need to. The best. So this is mostly Nolan Naraki's fault, who Lance uh, Lance took over for. There's a big thing when you do a draft write-up at the end that you have a player comp. And if you happen to take like a white receiver and compare him to another white receiver, nowadays you're just gonna get killed. So oh. Which Lance doesn't do a lot of that, but we take every write-up Lance has and we read the negatives, just the negatives, to the players themselves when we have them in studio. So, and the funny thing is, and we've gone so far, like, we only did the Drew Brees, who graduated, what, in 2000, and Lance did start doing these NFL, I got to believe, like, yeah, that was Lance Zierlein who wrote that about you. We will throw <laughs> like, and these guys get so fired up. Like, they'll, they'll, they'll like take the printout, fold up, put it in their pocket, and use this bulletin board material. And Lance was exactly what I'm talking about. But like, yeah. it's one thing if a player reads it on NFL.com. It's another that me and Dan just like play it up times a hundred. Oh, and they only read the negatives. Like my positives. Of course. I'll have guys that I think are going to be like Carson Wentz. I had a really high grade on him. Carson Wentz probably thinks that I believe he's the shittiest prospect ever to come out of college football because they read only the negatives. Yeah. I mean, they try to do like Pat Mahomes. My comp on Pat Mahomes was Jay Cutler coming out. Well, Jay Cutler was actually a pretty decent quarterback coming out and a very talented one. And he had some good years in uh, uh, Denver and then he went to Chicago. But my comp, my, my comp was Cutler because he was a gunslinger and, you know, he has tremendous arm talent. But now, if you now you look back and you say, Jay Cutler, oh my God, the guy from the reality show and with the cigarette meme. I'm like, no, I meant strong arm Jay Cutler who throws off platform Jay Cutler. Wait, Lance, oh, what do you fantastic? What do you do with a Hunter Renfro when you have a five nine white receiver and like how do you do like do you think about race when you're doing these? I hate to ask. So I, I don't. I think of who they remind me of, and a small Hunter Renfro remind me of a Wes Welker. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yes, of course. It's it's just the way it is. But in this time, that's why I don't. In a perfect, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of stories. So my <clears throat> my um, editor is very cognizant of cross racial comps. Yeah. You know, and and to my credit, I my comp on Jameis Winston, for example, was Eli Manning because of the interceptions. Ooh. I I saw a similarity between Eli. And, uh, and Jameis. And the, the problem you run into is that people get so, you know, people right now want to, want to do, you know, be performative on Twitter. And like, I just really am disappointed with your comp of well, you, you know, I mentioned that Dwayne Haskins reminded me a lot watching him of, um, he, he was very reminiscent to me of Jameis Winston because he has a little bit of a hitch in his delivery the same as Jameis. He has a big arm, same as Jameis. He's very uh, cerebral. He had, you know, he had really been schooled to be a quarterback from a very young age, same as Jameis. Now, the the body type is almost identical from a side, from a height, weight, and body composition standpoint. And he's not very good getting around the pocket either. Like all of these. Now, the one thing that was way different was Jameis is an incredibly high turnover guy in the pros and and had that issue in college. And that was not an issue in the one year as a starter. So that was one thing where that really didn't match up from a, from a comp standpoint. But people thought that I had kidnapped their children and was hiding them. They were so upset on Twitter. They had to show me how disappointed that I was. And, and this is before I did the official write-up. So on the write-up, I, 
I got was, you know, I was working comps out with another guy in the business. He goes, you know, Drew Bledsoe is not bad. I said, good, I'll take it. Drew Bledsoe. That's fine. White quarterback. Let's just get done with this. And you know what? So I'm sitting in a meeting before an NFL network. We were going to go on TV and they wanted to do comps um, for one of our pre-draft NFL network shows. And Maurice Jones Drew is in the room. And I love MJD. Love him. And Bucky Brooks, who I also like a lot. They're both in the room. Both are, you know, black. And Daniel Jeremiah, I I don't think he was in. This is uh, two years ago. I think he was at a pro day. And so we were going through the comps and they said, Lance, what's your comp for um what's your comp for Dwayne Haskins? This is our pre-show meeting. And I said, Well, it's Drew Bledsoe on the draft profile. But I I, I said I kind of like him as I kind of like him as uh Jameis. I'd see a lot of similarities, but I can't obviously can't say Jameis. They said, Why not? Fight for him. And Bucky goes, Oh, because you know, Bucky does draft stuff too. He goes, Oh, watch out now. And and MJD who keeps it as real as anybody in the business? He goes, what's the problem? Why can't you say, I said, I said, Maurice, it's just, I'm going to take too much crap. If I, if I have a black quarterback, black quarterback. And he goes, so do it. I got your back. If that's who he is, that's who he is. Who cares what Twitter says? He goes, that's who he is. Say it. And the producers to their credit said, yeah, um, you, we got your back. You, whoever you think the comp is, say who the comp is. And Bucky's like, I don't know, you know. And Bucky knows just like I do. Yeah. Bucky's over there like, mm-hmm. and then JD goes, just say who you think it is. That's yeah. there's no problem with it. And I'm like, well, in your world and in my world, when we're talking face to face, there wouldn't be a problem with it. But in Twitter, there is a problem with it. Now, I didn't hear anything about that comp when I did it on television. But if I did that on did, Twitter, did you, go with, did you go with Bledsoe or Winston? I said he reminds me of. I, I actually said both of them, Jameis and Drew Bledsoe, oh. kind of a cross between those two. Yeah, I kind of chickened oh. out. Oh my god! Yeah, I knew something was up when you had Hunter Renfro compared to Harold Carmichael. I was like, that's so. <laughs> 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 I'm going to look up, as a matter of fact, I'm going to look up uh, Hunter Renfro. I'm looking it up now. I'll look I it up like, right now. I'm looking it I up like, right now. My comp, it's got to be white guy. It's not Devon Bess, which is my go-to for slot receivers when I want to go cross-racial. <laughs> oh, my God. I did it. It's Jeremy Curley. <laughs> He's not a white wide receiver. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's great. So basically, that's the Dan Patrick Show version of uh, uh, like actors read angry tweets, like yes. where people just yeah, that's great. I yeah, yeah. That. Although that is the best sketch ever when they do that. Oh. But uh, but uh, yeah, but the thing is, those angry tweets are anonymous people. We actually have a person we can blame everything right. yes, on. Of course, guess, yes, of course, absolutely. They, they don't know that I actually have a good grade on them, and and I think no. very. He only reads the very worst, and my one of my editors gets so mad. He's like, Lance, they're doing that bullshit again. And I'm like, are they really? Yeah, you need to tell Pearl off. And like, he gets so mad for me. He has my back. And I said something to Dan. So I went when we were in New York. I went, uh, it was the very end of the show. And I saw Andrew and I I got to talk to Dan Patrick getting on the elevator. And I, I was like, you know, I'm the guy that he goes, I said, I notice you don't read anything good that I say. He goes, eh, you do radio. What's the point in that? It's better radio if we just read the bad stuff. <laughs> oh man! But then he'll throw out like uh, he'll say something like the brilliant Lance Zierlein, and I'm like, well, yeah, 
I think uh, I'm like I know Robert Rodriguez thinks he's brilliant, but I don't know. <laughs> his ex his ex wife does, but oh right, neither, right sorry. They would yeah. have thought I was brilliant if oh, like if yeah. I had got my shot. Have you, have you seen the uh, Frank Caliendo Crawdaddy skit or whatever it was? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can I point you in the direction of this YouTube video? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god andrew how did you get the nickname mclovin there's a lot of stories so what happened was you know i was writing for sports illustrated and back in like the the aughts you had these comments under every story where people would write comment like and someone says who is this dude anyway he looks like mclovin from Superbad's uncle and then <laughs> so the first couple of shows dan called me mclovin's uncle and then the uncle went away and i just became mclovin which is cool except like I'll never be McLovin. That will always be Christopher Mintz plots. So I can never like do t-shirts or anything. Not that I would have anyway. But the other thing that's funny is sometimes celebrities think that I'm Christopher Mintz plots. So we had like Dr. Ken Jong came to the show once and he's like, Oh man, I can't believe I'm here with you. I'm such a huge fan. I'm like, really? You're a huge fan of me on the damn badger show. But he was clearly thinking about the dude from super bad, which is awesome. So he, he thought that the actor had just become a radio producer in New York. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 Kenny Smith once said, uh, Dan said, McLovin, what's up? I was talking to me and Kenny Smith was waiting on hold. He goes, McLovin, it was great to see you two weeks ago at that party. And Kenny Smith <laughs> thought that there's like, yeah, like why could Christopher Mintz plots be on the Dan Patrick show? It's not totally out of, you know, it's totally possible. I guess side hustle, just side hustle. Yeah. 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 I mean, is he, he's not in a lot of movies anymore. I know he was, uh, he was actually, you know, he shows up in weird spots and he's pretty good, but uh, he'll always be, he's, and Eric, tell me if this like, his first role was just too awesome that it's really hard to bounce out of that, right? He's always going to be a big lover. That and, was and such that, a good show too. It, I was, mean, it was so such a good, good but the other thing about that is it's, it's such a, not only was it iconic and it was huge, but he's such a character. Yeah. But it's so hard for him to to like go. So it would be like um, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the actor's name that played Napoleon Dynamite. But it's like yeah. John John hate was it Hater? John yeah, Hater. Yeah. John Hater. Um, you know, I mean, it's just so hard at that point. You know, I mean, oh. it's just so you're it's such a specific thing. And then it blew up. So, yeah, I mean, that's just so hard to. So yeah, hard, do you go to uh, you're in New York? I mean, do you go to a lot of theater? Do you like theater? Do you go to? Yeah, well, no, I, I don't go to as much as I should. Like, you know, I have young kids, so that kind okay. of blew it up. I have a couple theater stories. Like, so I'm on a sports talk show. The Phillies won the World Series. I think it was 2008 or nine. I had to go see the Seagull, the checkoff play on oh. Broadway. Which is brutal, and I missed Game Five where they beat the Rays. To go. <laughs> I know, and I had to. It's a long story, but I totally had to. Um, but obviously, I like like I got to see Hamilton. I get to see the big plays, but uh, it's a Broadway plays. But I don't take advantage of theater. Um, right. Yeah, like honestly, like Lance comes to town once in a while, and he's like, "Let's go see this all theater. Let's go do this." I'm like, "Dude, I." I can't get a babysitter. <laughs> I, I go there and I take him to a restaurant in Brooklyn. I had yeah. to hit him. By the way, they got a Michelin star also. Oh, uh, awesome. Oxalis. Yeah, it was. They had opened up. It was a guy who followed me on Twitter and said, hey, if you ever come in, I do pop up restaurants and I you know, I follow you about your NFL draft stuff. And I'd love to have you, you know, next time you're in town. Well, I actually hit him up and they had just opened a brick and mortar in Brooklyn. 
and they did great. Our meal was fantastic. Um, they, they got a Michelin star after one year, wow. which I thought was fantastic, but uh, you know, I, so something I'm, I'm curious about from a New York standpoint, well, really from a Dan Patrick standpoint, are you okay? It's kind of a loaded question, but are you okay with being one of four guys who are there with Dan Patrick? Because I know you had a show on NBC sports radio at one point. I know you've talked about doing different podcasts and things like that. Um, this is a great gig that you have. It's a safe venture. Have you ever thought about going out on your own or with someone else? Um, yeah, I mean, ideally, so I had this, uh, you know, I had this show on NBC Sports Radio for four years with one another producers from Dan Patrick's show, Paul Paps, and that was great. Uh, you know, it's a weird time right now, though, Lance. Like, I, I've talked to other, I've never, I actually know, I've always wanted to stay on the Dan Patrick show and then do like a weekend show somewhere else, but, and I've come really close, um, but it just didn't, didn't happen in the window. What I really, I, I actually like, and I don't have anything specific now that I can share, but I kind of want to lean more towards writing right now. I have some things in the works. Um, you know, I ghost wrote a book two years ago that did pretty good uh, with our boy Case Keenum. Uh, so I want to do more of that. I don't think my dream now is to have my own radio show. And yeah, it's, I flirted with it, but it's it's weird. I enjoy being in an ensemble. I mean, that's that's anyway, I, it's not like anyone's given me the, uh, the drive time slot at ESPN. But I really enjoy being in that ensemble with Dan. Like, I think I would miss it because it's a lot of work. Like, I don't want to, like, do a show just to have a show. I want to do a show that's going to be super fun. And I think that I also want to do a show that's an ensemble. Like, I don't want to do a one-person show or a two-person show. Like, even, Lance, in some of your shows, I notice you guys, you have a feel of characters around the show. Like, uh, I have a friend who has a show on um, – on FAN from, I won't say who, but they just got, they changed the show from three person with a former NFL player to two person. And she doesn't like it. She's like, I need a bigger show. Like I want to, I like being part of it. So no, I wouldn't take something now. I've always, I always kind of wanted my side thing. I did this podcast last year called against the grain and it was going pretty good. And I had Lance on a lot. And what, what happened was the pandemic hit. And it was right around draft time, and I was doing it twice a week, and I stopped. So I'm going to pick that up in the fall. Dan's going to push it more and come on. So I think podcasts – the other thing, too, is podcasts, we see this. That's it now. Like, I don't know. Like, over-the-air radio is not – it's not it. And, Lance, you probably know a lot about this, but I yeah. feel like that's where the advertiser's going. It, there's a there's 700,000 of them there now. but So that's really where – like, audio-wise, that's where I want to go, but I also want to go uh, – go more writing places too so that's really where i want to go but it's a good question i hope dan wasn't listening to that part he's just going to clip that out and you know how dan will take only the negative it'll feel fine like yeah oh, gee. oh gee, that wouldn't be ironic at all yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. podcast it makes for a better podcast yeah yeah oh well i will would say though yeah. you guys you guys seem like you're having a ball like yeah. you seem like you have fun on the show and it and it feels very much like an ensemble, a family. Um, I, I've been a part of enough television shows that I know that a lot of times that's not the case. We just make it look like that's the case. Um, but it seems like that's the case for you guys. You know, it seems yeah. like y'all are having a good time. Well, it's like brothers, though. We irritate each other. Um, yeah. There is personality fatigue. That's why, like, you've got to take a break. Um, 
we all we all know each other's buttons. Uh, a lot of times, there's like a there's a bit of competition with the four of us for Dan's attention. It's just natural. It's like a family. Like Dan's a dad, and we're the brothers. But I also find that I'm a lot funnier with Dan than I am solo. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I really when we have guest hosts, it's like all of a sudden, like none of my jokes land. It's bizarre. There's like a weird chemistry. I've learned to play off Dan, and he's really good at it too. Like as you know, there's a reason he's like the most famous Sports Center guy ever. Everybody around him gets a little bit better. So that's that. That's just his work for me. Um, yeah, but we do like. Of course, we like each other. We love each other. Yeah. We've been together twelve years, but we're so much like brothers. We we argue all the time, and and we know each other's weak spots, and we sure. we press the buttons. We have this guy on the show, Fritzy. You've talked to Fritzy, Lance. He does these mock headlines. They're just yeah. god god awful, and we it's the best. When he has a really bad one, we're so psyched because that's like five minutes of making fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> like true brothers. I mean, that's how it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's like. If you can give shit to people and not really hurt them or offend them, then that's that's the best kind of content, um, I think. Do you guys listen to podcasts, by the way? Like, um, except for a Dan Patrick show, obviously. Is there anything that you guys hit regularly? Because I'm in the car all the time. I listen to a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, I listen to Rogan. Uh, yeah. His, obviously, is, is really big. Um, I listen to one. It can get a little heady, but I still really like it, called Making Sense with Sam Harris. Okay. And the guy's just so, he's just so smart. Um, Conan O'Brien needs a friend. That is really funny. That's ruining podcasts for everybody else. Because how do you try and be funny on your podcast when Conan and Jim Gaffigan are doing a podcast? Yeah, it's yeah, so, so good. He, yeah, he's he's really good, really funny. Um, for like little quick hitters, there's one called Without Fail, and it's 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 nice because it, they take professionals and they basically he just talks to it's from gimlet and he basically just talks yeah. to them about like their their coming up and like oh, what cool. happened and how they failed some are better than others obviously depending on the guest and then there's a there's one called off script um that's like kind of a new up-and-comer and that thing yeah is, i like woo. that one wait who's who's the host of that uh I, this hilarious guy called lance Zerline and this uh character oh. actor eric layden yeah mm-hmm. never, never heard of it uh yeah. do you do, do you do mark Barron? Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, my buddy, are... my buddy, um, two years ago, he was like, "Yeah, I just bought a house. You come check it out. This and that." He bought Marin's house that the, the that had the garage that he started. Oh, no the way! Podcast. Yeah, that like Obama had Obama. been in, and like, yeah, yeah. What about you, Lance? You do any of the pro football focus or any of the football ones uh, around the NFL? You I don't listen. I don't listen to a lot of them around the NFL. I think they've got great chemistry. I, I I think they have a really good podcast, but I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. Um, and I should because I enjoy them when I listen to them. But I just for whatever reason, and my wife has turned into a podcast machine. She'll listen to a ton of them because she goes running five or six days a week, and she's now she now listens to podcasts instead of music. Yep. Every day it's a podcast. It's not music anymore. Yeah. Uh, one more. Uh, it's just Broken Record, which is Rick Rubin and Malcolm Gladwell. Mostly Rick Rubin, the former. Whoa. It, Rubin and dude. Gladwell? Yeah, but it's mostly Rick Rubin talking to artists. It is. It's probably the best podcast I've ever and heard. what's it called? It's called Broken Record, I okay. believe. Yeah. So, like, he did uh, Rizza the other day. He does a lot of old school rap guys. And it is. He is so unique. Uh, I love that one. I love a. Yeah, a lot of the one. I mean. Obviously, I, my go-to is off script. But after that, like, yeah, yeah. 
And I have friends with part of my take, those guys, you know, Lance, you know, Big Cat is literally two blocks from here. That's a really, I don't know where you guys stay at a bar stool, but those guys are really funny. They do. I think right. they're talented. Yeah, yeah. I think they're really talented. Yeah. They're talented guys. What TV shows are you watching before you get out of here? Uh, so my wife just started an alias kick. So we're like right in the middle of that. But, uh, during quarantine, uh, I really like black AF. Uh, did you guys see that yet? No. Yeah. Hysterical. Netflix okay. from the guy who did blackish about his life. Yeah. It's really funny. I like never have I ever Mindy Kalen show. I did. Let's see. I have it. I, I did like zero, zero, zero. I did like a lot of the yeah. big dramas. I don't even know what's out now, but I probably did it. Is there one nice. you guys could suggest that was really standing out? Uh, Lance finished zero, zero, zero. Didn't you buddy? I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I thought awesome. zero, zero was fantastic. Uh, I just finished the Jeffrey Epstein, uh, on oh, Netflix. Holy crap. Unbelievable. And then, um, my wife, I'm watching along with my wife as she finishes season two of succession on HBO, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, that's great. How about you, Eric? You got anything? Or- uh, I've been watching Rami. We're just about to finish that, which is, Wait, uh, what's on- that? It's on oh. Hulu. Uh, it's about a like this Egyptian guy uh, who's basically living in New York and really struggling to like figure out like who he is in relation to his religion and his like com- like coming of age and in this time. Um, that was really good. Um, starting zero zero zero. Um, what's uh, there's one called Baghdad Central. Um, oh. Yeah, and then Mar- Marcella, Marcella, Marcella. Yeah, is that good? Have you watched it? Yeah, I've seen all three seasons of Marcella. And do you like it? Yeah, I thought it Marcella was was really good. You got to keep the it's yes, you need to keep the subtitles on for season three because there's a lot of thick Irish accents. But um, it's a different now. It's a very edgy show, Marcella. It's got a, she's got a lot of edge to her. She's not. Hey, you know what? I'm just a crime fighting. Uh, uh, detective, mm, she's got problems. Can you guys do Never Have I Ever? By the way, just for John McEnroe's voiceover, have you heard of it? It's a sitcom. I, about- I know it, but I but I don't. I haven't watched it. It is. I know it sounds like it wouldn't be funny, but it is really funny. Same with Black AF. You wouldn't think that would be funny. They're both really unique and funny. I like those. But I'm on I, it. They're on my queue. Awesome. I don't have Hulu. Am I an idiot? I I might have to get it because I'm a huge Always Sunny in Philadelphia fan. So they well, have here, all the, yeah. yeah, here's why you have to get Hulu. So you got to get the Hulu Disney Plus package because oh. my show my show premieres on Disney Plus in October. So the, Oh, congrats. You know, there yeah. you go. So Yeah, so you're basically riding the coattails of Hamilton and see where it goes. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Wait, are you going to be on Disney or are you going to be on Apple Plus? You're on Disney? Disney Plus. The other what? show was on yeah, Apple Yeah, Disney TV. Plus. Yeah, yeah, that's This one's going to be on on Disney Plus. So that's well, great that Hamilton came out and set the stage. Yeah, they for got him. like I think they went from like thirty million to subscribers to like forty five or something crazy. What's the show? Uh, what are the two shows called? Uh, the show that's coming out in October is called The Right Stuff. Uh, it's based on the book. The I uh, love, the right I love the movie. I've read the book twice. I love yeah. the book. So, so yeah, are you an actor? Yeah, you no, I don't. I play. I play Chris Kraft, who basically built uh built Mission Control. Um, oh my he's God. the guy that yeah so i was in charge of picking the astronauts and then putting them up into space so it's cool i mean basically we take the book we the the book is about the first couple episodes and then we start to expand through the world of like mercury and the in the astronauts and how they live this celebrity lifestyle uh and the first season 
two seasons will take you through Mercury program and then onward. The idea is to go on through Gemini and Apollo. And, and wow. That. One of my favorite scenes in the rights, the movie is when Dennis Quaid is uh, thinking in his head about the one best pilot he ever saw, Chuck Yeager. Yeah. That scene where, you know, he's thinking, Oh, that scene gives me such chills at the end of the right stuff. I love it's that movie. Killer movie, really good book. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I remember reading the book when I was young and, and I remember being like, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah, Tom Wolf, right? That was Tom, Tom Wolf. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I Killers. mean, yeah, I mean, it's no Robert Rodriguez. Uh, no. No, 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 no. Yeah. Or it's no the week of where I get to walk across it. I'm gonna send you guys a video of this. Like, it is the smallest cameo you'll ever see in the history of the world. <laughs> Just you walking across. That's how we'll promote the podcast, by the way, is your guest is your your cameo on the movie. Co-star with Chris Rock. Screen grab it. Right. Yeah. You don't even you won't even be able to tell it's me. It's just gonna be some random dude. Yeah. I'll send you guys actually I'll email you last a couple screen grabs from my movies because you really have to look closely. It's uh yeah. I, I guess I've got a featured extra, but I could be in the union, which I, I'm not paying those dudes. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. That was so fun, guys. Yeah, yeah man, I really appreciate the time. Yeah, awesome. All right. And by the way, Lance, I apologize in advance for next time when we pandemic's over and we have Larry Fitzgerald on the show and we read him the negatives. Oh. I'm really going to... I mean, I wasn't even anywhere near Larry Fitzgerald back then. Yeah, but, you know, we're going to find something negative about You know, my dad is great. Him. My dad is really good friends with Larry Fitzgerald. Too little, too late, Lance. That's not going to help you. <laughs> See you, buddy. Got to go. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Later, man. Thanks Take care. All right. You know who they are, friends of the program. Blackland Distillery out of Fort Worth, Texas. Getting you bourbon, rye, gin, vodka. These guys are legit. Go check them out if you want some nice spirits. Check them out at blacklandfw.com. Tony Moles over at the Anthem Agency handles all our artwork on Instagram and Twitter. The guy's a genius. Check him out. Anthem Agency, A-N-T-H-M Agency.com. You can also find him on Instagram. Uh, his name is Tony Moles and tell him uh, you saw our artwork. He's the band. Uh, and as well, our music is done by the incomparable Josh Cook. Here lies foe.com. See you next week. You're listening to Off Script Daddy Layden. <laughs>